This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IV Press and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? Oh, I am doing. You know, we're out here. <laughs> yeah, Are we out here with this Delta variant, girl? <laughs> I've got, well, I know. Listen, come on oh. now. Come on. I don't know how many ways we got to say it. If you, if, if you can, do, you know. Get back to it. I feel like I need to put some syringes in my bag and just walk around and just, you know, I'm in Tennessee and the folks don't, you know, they're not always going right, depending on what state you're in. So <laughs> they're not always going right. How how are you doing? They wilding out here. I'm good. Besides that, I'm like, wait a minute. This is, whoo, my goodness. This is just, Delta's having a hot girl summer, not us. So I was like, wait a minute. What happened? The roles got reversed so quickly. I was like, oh my goodness. So I'm good. I'm good. Uh, living my vaccinated life. But I was like, I'm, let me go ahead and go back inside. When, when summer over? Because listen. I don't, I don't play about this. So I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so happy to be at the table with you, my sister. Um, and I'm just so happy because we have another black woman rising episode. Oh, Again, I'm really blessed to feature the women that oh. we've gotten to know on black women rising. And I'm excited yes. for today. Listen, and I still maintain that we need a sound effect, like a, a Phoenix rising, you know, through the fire something. Something, something. We need, we need something. So we, we're going to have our producers work on that. But uh, I'm, I'm so excited about who we have at the table. It's been a long time coming, y'all. But we have Michelle Rice, the president of TV One at the table with us. Hello, Michelle. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you for welcoming to the table. Oh. Excited to be here. <laughs> of course, we're so glad to have you. And y'all, just in case y'all don't know who Michelle Rice is, although you ought to know. Why not tell you a little something about the sister? Let me read off her credentials, okay? Michelle Rice is a 16-year veteran of TV One and Clio TV. She was recently named the president. In this role, Rice is responsible for leading all business, operational, and creative aspects of the network. Prior to her promotion, Rice served as the executive vice president of content distribution and marketing for TV One, where she developed distribution strategy and managed national account negotiations with all of the major multi-channel video programming distributors to increase and maximize the network's content distribution opportunities on mobile linear and non-linear distribution platforms. She also led domestic and international program sales and distribution for the network. A graduate of Temple University, Philly in the house, and the University of Southern California, LA in the house too, Rice has been named uh, uh, Cable Facts' top minorities in cable and top women in cable. She's also been recognized as NAMIC's emerging leader broadcasting and cable networks next wave of leaders 40 under 40 by multi-channel news and one of multi-channel news's wonder women welcome to the table wonder woman 
Michelle Rice. <laughs> Welcome. Listen, we have a whole episode about how we not your superwoman, but I just had to get it here because it was your bio. So <laughs> Welcome, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We are. So- how you, I heard you guys talking about uh, COVID and the pandemic yes. and getting vaccinated. Yeah. Yes. So it's been it's been something. <laughs> I, hasn't it? Hasn't yeah. it? It's it, it really has been. But we are still here. <laughs> Praise God for that. We are still here. Yeah, and, you know, and, and talking about being st- still being here and God keeping us. I would love to hear um, about your own faith journey, Michelle. How did you come to faith in Christ? And what did that look like for you? Um, how did I come to my faith journey in, in my role here at TV one? Yeah. Just in your, your faith journey, just period. How did you come to faith? And yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. For you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know what? I came to faith through knowing the Lord through my, my first, my grandmother, and my mother. I mean, my parents are, you know, strong Christian, um, you know, and I had a lot of strong praying, uh, people in my family, but particularly praying black women. Right. <laughs> And so, you know, I sit here and stand on their shoulders. Um, prayer is always in, you know, my life at the forefront of my life and my faith in, in God is always at the forefront of my life. And without that, I wouldn't be sitting here, honestly. Um, you know, it, it's been a journey and whenever things get tough and hard, um, I can always lean on the promises of God. That is a real encouragement. We, we often think about, um, yeah, the ways in which God has been faithful to us through the prayers of grandmothers and great grandmothers. There's those prayers being answered now and in 2021 and just, um, yeah, before we were even thought of um, that being a part of our legacy and story. So I'm encouraged by that. And I think we'll have a lot of people who who can relate to that story um, being introduced to faith through the prayers of praying Black women. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear, Michelle, a bit about your story about how you came into your role um, in, you know, in the television industry. And as I was as I was studying up on you, I was like, ah, this reminds me a little bit of my story. It's something that I wanted that I wanted to do and also why I left journalism, why I left that major. Um, but I would love for the women to to hear about how you got into uh, television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I didn't see images of black girls like me, you know, Afro puffs. And um, I mean, that's how I wore my hair, cornrows, really sort of celebrating who we are. Um, And so, you know, I always wanted to be in the entertainment business. I really wanted to be in front of the camera. And so when I set off to college and I was a great writer. And so I was really interested in English and someone's like journalism would be a great major for you. Mm. So went to Temple university, um, studied journalism, had an internship at a news um, room. And I thought, "Mm -mm. (laughs) this is a little crazy. And I did get some really good advice from a young black reporter that said, you know, very few people are ever going to make it to that anchor desk. And so if you're not going to be happy, if you don't make it to that anchor desk, I mean, it's a one in a million. Once you get on the desk, I mean, think about Katie Couric and, you know, all these people, they stay on that desk. And so if the desk is your goal, you're probably going to have to move to, you know, Iowa or this or that. Mm, And you might not make a lot of money. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound like the sexy, glamorous thing that I thought it was. (laughs) Yes. And, um, you know, it's always good to get, 
counsel and listen. And so I went and talked to the uh, general sales manager because I was like, well, what does that guy do in the back with the big office? <laughs> He's general sales manager. And at that point, I said, you know what? I think that behind the camera is probably the place that I should be. But you also still, you know, the general manager and the general sales manager, they're also still influencing um, the daily conversations. Although, you know, reporters and um, producers are more involved in the editorial, but they still also in, in influence storytelling. Yeah. And so I went back and said to my mom, I think I want to change my focus. I'm going to finish out my degree in journalism, but I really want to be behind the camera. And, you know, one of the best ways is, you know, to pivot is to, you know, go to grad school and right. do something different. Well, you know, I did a couple jobs in between, then went to grad school at University of Southern California, majored in communications management. And, you know, from there, interns, jobs, opportunities, and really just worked my way up. Um, and, and had a lot of great mentors along the way, some of them black women. So one of the things I definitely want to say is, you know, we always say that there's not necessarily a great sisterhood with black women and we're competitive against each other. And that's mm. not always true. I had a lot of black women along the way who mentored to me, who poured into me and still to this day support me. So, you know, I want to make sure that mm. as sisters that we continue to help pave the way for each other, that we embrace each other. There should be no jealousy. Yes. There's enough space in this world for all of us. Mm. And what God has for you is for you. Period. And so at the end of the day, no one can stand in the way what God has for you. That's right. You better preach because that's right. We do not, <laughs> we do not serve an, a, a, a stingy God. We don't. We do not. <laughs> There's more than enough for all of us, you know, um, according to right. God's will, whatever God's will is for our lives, right? Exactly. Um, you know, uh, Michelle, something about your, your story about not seeing, right, uh, uh, representations of yourself. You had your Afro puffs and your cornrows. You took me back to my childhood as well. Um, and I, I'm wondering about, you know, one thing about TV one that, right. All of us, right. All of our childhoods. And, um, I'm wondering about um, the way, when I think about TV one, a black owned uh, um, television network and representation, right. And the importance of representing um, all of the various uh uh, manifestations of blackness. How about that? Right. Um, I'm, I'm wondering right. about if that has that, how has, how has your own experience of not seeing the representation as one who was growing up informed um, what you decide the programming will be um, there at TV one and even Clio TV. And how do you decide like, okay, we need more representation of this person. Cause we know that the reality is that oftentimes when we do have black people on television, just generally speaking, we oftentimes see our uh, uh, sisters or brothers that are oftentimes lighter, right? And we see some of that colorism come in. How is it that you all um, eschew that there at TV One? How would that? How do you, how do you allow um, your own experience of not seeing representation um, impact the way that you influence programming there at TV One? Yeah, and one of the things we always say here, and I, when I was going out early days TV One, and we had to sit in front of folks and talk to them about making sure we get distribution for this network across you know, the country so that our brothers and sisters could watch the network, having to explain to someone why there was a need for TV One, um, you know, was like, oh, we already have one black network. Why do we need another one? Um, but the reality is, is black people are not monolithic. Not at all. Um, we're different cultures and different backgrounds. And um, 
So we're not a monolithic people. We have lots of different stories to tell and to share. And so that's something that, you know, our programming team, our talent and casting team um, always looks for different stories to tell. How are we representing the, the breadth and depth and the beauty and the richness of our culture, which is not monolithic? And so that's always sits at you know, everything that we do at the pinnacle of what we do when we're selecting stories, we want to make sure that we're um, creating as broad um, a representation of who black people are, because we're doctors, we're lawyers, you know, we're wives, we're mothers, we're husbands, we're fathers, you know, we're, we're all of these things. Um, and, you know, oftentimes you often see just the bad depictions. And I'm just glad that now, you know, you know, black is the new black. <laughs> and we're seeing more positive um, representation. We've been doing it forever, but I'm glad that we're seeing it, um, you know, on general entertainment networks, of, uh, uh, you know, across the board. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, it's exciting time um, for, for black people in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm really grateful for the ways that TV one, I think, um, as you just talked about resist caricature of, of black yeah. identity. Right. And I think there is, I think there's a lot of money in caricature, there's a lot of um, <laughs> there's a lot of support in um, a lot of money in caricature and ratchet, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I mean, there's just you know, if you can if you can uh, add your voice to um, an agenda that keeps black people controlled or small. Um, then people get rewarded for that. And so I just have a lot of respect for TV One, um, not, be- not because it has a commitment to showing, you know, you know Black people who are middle class, um, but showing Black people in the diversity of our culture. And it is, it is a diverse and dynamic culture. Um, and so I'm just so grateful for your work. One of my favorite shows on TV One that we just talked about, <laughs> which yeah. I, think, I think lives in that legacy of resisting caricature and really getting to the fullness of someone's story is the show Unsung. And uh, it has been, it's been a show that has allowed me, and I think allowed many people to bond across generations because of music, um, to learn about, uh, you know, a, a, a group that my father would love and enjoy and to hear more about their story. But I'd love for any, any backstory about the magic of unsung <laughs> that she would be willing to give. I know we have some listeners that are serious about that show. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is our signature series and I will, will tell you, I mean, music really sits, is it, really in the DNA of our company. I mean, for those of you who don't know, uh, TV one is television division of, Radio One yes. or Urban One actually mm-hmm. was formerly Radio One. And now the, because we have TV, digital and radio, we've uh, renamed the company to Urban One, founded by Kathy Hughes, Kathy. strong black woman. Yes. <laughs> and so she founded the company um, to be to give black people a voice. And so we're always going to remain um, true to having a voice in the community. But, you know, Unsung, like I said, really is, it fits into who we are as a, as a company because music is, sits at the DNA of our uh, company. But it also, music sits to, at the heart and soul of our culture. Absolutely. And the storytelling sometimes that we feel and witness through music really is like a soundtrack, you know, of our lives from gospel music to music. Uh, we have civil rights anthems. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at uh, doing a show, um, Unsung just 
you know, really resonated with everyone. And I actually remember the first, one of the first episodes that uh, we did, um, we screened it for uh, employees was uh, the DeBarge uh, yes, ensemble. That's a good one. And it was like, I mean, it's like, who knew? The other thing is who knew? Yet a lot of people don't know what is going on with folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, when you peel back the onion on some of these stories, you're just sitting there like, what? But, you know, it's interesting, you know, getting back to, you know, being a Christian. It's, it's interesting what vessel God will choose. Um, it might be a broken vessel, but it's an interesting who God chooses to send yeah. And so a lot of these uh, episodes are uh, about that and um, the tr- the trials and the triumphs. And I think that that's why the show really resonates. One, excellent storytelling. Two, like you said, it's generational. I've watched shows like one about the Shy Lights or the Delphonics. I'm like, oh, my God, that's my daddy's music. <laughs> and um you know, just one of my favorite shows as well. So it's, I think anyone who watches TV One will it'll be in their top three shows for yes, sure. Yes, yes, you're right. It just it just has that uh, that staying power. You know, it's one of those shows you can just. I like to if there's a marathon on and it's the weekend, I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I could just. Play. Well, it's funny because it's actually sometimes a very difficult show to. It can be a difficult show to book because of the title. Like someone will say, oh, I'm not unsung. And that's actually not necessarily what it means. Because a lot of times while like the spinners, the spinners are not unsung in the the way that some people, they are unsung because the spinners had not been critically acclaimed or won a Grammy or they, so they're unsung, not to us as, not to us, but as artists who, should have been these this big mainstream giant, um, you know, act. Yes. They didn't necessarily get the accolades that. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's really what we want to pay tribute um, to, you know, our artists and our music group. So it's not that we were saying the spinners are, you know, people don't know who they are. They're unsung in that way. We just want, we want to pay and give them their due and give them their respect to say that they should have, you know, gotten all the accolades that are meaningful, um, you know, commercial, commercially meaningful. Yes, yes. No, I hear that. Um, And I can can totally see how that would be a hard show to book because the title, it makes them, you could go on the defensive at first, but we're saying no. We're saying, no, we see you. We recognize you. You're you're black famous. You're black famous. And that doesn't integrate, but it's like we're saying, y'all should have had crossover. Y'all should have had Exactly. exactly. We're trying to give you your reparations right now. We're giving you roses. <laughs> so, <laughs> Roses right now, right now. Absolutely. So, yeah, no. I mean, I just, I really do love and uh, appreciate that show, and I'm always like excited to see. Okay, who's next? Ooh, the boys. Ooh, ooh, okay. You know, just, just going down the line. You know, to see who's next. You know, who could we learn more about? Um, man, you know what? We are going to take a quick commercial break before we uh, dive into more. We are so honored to have uh, Michelle Rice at the table. So, y'all, don't go nowhere. Stay right here. We'll be right back. 
Sisters, we know that some of you struggle with all the demands that are placed on your life, which is why we are happy to present to you Power Women, edited by Nancy Wang Yoon and Deshana Collier-Gubil. If you're a professor and mother juggling family, faith, and career, the dominant narrative you may have heard is that motherhood and academia are incompatible. These are two challenging vocations, each filled with complexities and daily ups and downs. Power Women seeks to be a resource to mothers in academia that combines research and personal stories to address a wide range of topics that mothers in academia face. Editors Nancy Wang Yoon and Deshana Collier-Gubil hope their readers find themselves, their colleagues, and the faculty they supervise in the contributors and stories in this book. The stories that these powerful and faith-filled women tell will motivate all of us to aspire to higher ed workspace that is more inclusive of the myriad pressures experienced by faculty moms. Nancy Wang Yoon serves as an associate professor of sociology at Biola University and has appeared on PBS, NPR, and BBC World TV, as well as in publications like the New York Times and Washington Post and also the LA Times. Deshana Collier-Gubil is the founding chair of the Department of Criminal Justice and Interim Dean of the School of Behavioral and Applied Sciences at Azusa Pacific University. And now, Truth Table listeners can save 30% off and get free shipping on Power Women when they order at ivypress.com using promo code TRUTH21. This offer expires September 30th. That's 30% off and you'll get free U.S. shipping on Power Women when you order at ivypress.com using promo code TRUTH21. This offer expires September 30th. Jump on it, y'all. And we are back at the table with Michelle Rice talking all things unsung. During the commercial break, I was putting in my requests for some, uh, <laughs> some unsung episodes, I'm just saying. I mean, when you, you know, while God's troubled the waters, you got to get in. You know, you got to get in. So, <laughs> and that's what I did. I was like, go on, go on. Come on, take, receive my requests. And so... <laughs> You see, you see, you ask me, shall receive. So, Michelle, you know, I, um, I think that there's some sisters at the table. We have, I mean, our, we have a pretty, I would say, I think it's fair to say it's a pretty generational table. We got some boomers at the table. We have um, X at the table, which we represent. Um, I'm an exennial, technically, is what they say. Um, and I think we have some Z that might be peeking in to the table every now and then, you know, if, if, if you know, if they deem us cool <laughs> enough, I don't know, you know, um, <laughs> I'm curious about the ways that, uh, right. I'm totally fine with not being cool too, but <laughs> Michelle, I'm curious about the ways that you all at TV one are trying to reach, uh, the next generation. I know Clio TV was created. I, I understand, um, in order to reach, uh, Gen X and millennials, and I'm just curious about how you believe that it's taking hold. Do you think it's been effective in reaching this, um, those generations? And what are the plans to try to reach Gen Z, right? Because some people would say this is like, you know, th- people think TV on radio one, we think boomers, you know, but how do you appeal to our generation and on? Yeah, so Cleo TV is my baby, it's my brainchild. Cleo, short for Cleopatra, um, and so Cleo really is, was created to target uh, young Gen X women and millennial women of color, and so it's not just black; it's women of color, mm. and so we're really excited about this network. And one of the things when we were launching the network, we went out and did some focus groups. We did some internal focus groups with uh, millennial women here, and like. What is it that you're, you feel like you're missing yes. um, on television? It really was a lot was around lifestyle and culture and seeing themselves. And they watched 
um, you know, other networks, maybe HGTV. And they saw a lot of cooking shows or fashion and beauty shows, but they weren't with black faces. (laughs) They weren't women of color. And um, so, you know, it's like, that's it. So we really needed to, you know, tap into this area where we're really looking at women holistically, how we live, how we travel, how we cook, how we, you know, flow through culture um, and, and, and entertainment. So we have, you know, it's a mix of lifestyle and entertainment uh, programming. And we do some short form content. We've done web series. So, you know, we really think it's a, a really cool network um, that's resonating with the new generation. Um, you know, and, and true to its promise, um, we have a new show uh, that's launching, uh, Culture Kitchen, with Chef Brent Herrera, and she's a Latina. And, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that I get excited about, mm. that we are giving opportunities uh, for women of color that you, you don't see typically hosting cooking shows um, or in television in general. And she's a firecracker. She's amazing. Um She's Latina. I think she's Latina and Jamaican, so she's spicy. So it's going to be a great, great show, and I can't wait. So, you know, that's we, we, we really want to just reach everyone with great programming. Um, but, you know, it's all also about making sure that we're giving voice to the next generation. Um, and that is doing different things, interesting things, breaking new talent um, that you may have not seen working with young writers, giving directors first-time opportunities. We've given a lot of Black women first-time directing opportunities from Essence Actress, uh, Essence uh, Atkins, Tasha Smith. Um, So it's been really uh, awesome for us. And that's something that we like to tout and we, we really love. You know, one I think one of the beautiful things about building your own table um, and, and step shepherding it well is how you can start pulling out the chairs and who you can invite in. And mm-hmm. so even the examples that you just gave about um, building a table, not so that you keep it exclusive, but so that you right. can add more and more chairs to it. Um, I, I, I would love to hear about some of the lessons that you've learned as a woman leader and just looking at your just your professional um your professional background is just an example of somebody who's just kind of moved up and up and expanded kind of your influence, your authority, your, uh, your reach. And uh, we just, we just know that the experiences that women have in the workplace can sometimes be hindered or limited by having to jump additional hoops. Um, (laughs) Even in spaces that are predominantly African-American, right? We still deal with dynamics of patriarchy and sexism. Mm -hmm. And so we just, we just need to hear from you, Michelle, those of us who are, (laughs) who are running the race further behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, some lessons that you've learned, just some wisdom from you about uh, navigating the dynamics of workplace culture and moving forward as a woman who is a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, we have to definitely look at intersectionality yes. where black meets um, you know, female. I can never separate my blackness mm-hmm. from my womanness. Yes, I'm a black woman. And the reality is it, it's, it's difficult um, because you're the double minority, right? Um, and some people are going to look at you first and see woman. Some people are going to look at you first and see, um, you know, a black person. Sure. And in either instance, they are looking at you through a lens of, 
you know, not equal, honestly. So we there are a lot of issues um, with respect to um, diversity, equity, inclusion that, you know, I've had to deal with over my career. Um, you know, that's now become at the forefront, I think, in our culture with Black Lives Matter. Um, and we see a lot of companies now fo- focusing more on making sure that the table is set for everyone, that it's not just a quilt with one color, that it's a beautiful tapestry. Mm-hmm. And that's something, you know, that, that was, there was no DE and I, you know, initiatives when I was coming up the ranks. Mm-hmm. And so the reality of, of that is, you know, I go back to one of my uh, earlier comments um, about Black women is we really have to support each other. We really have to create our own networks and be involved in those uh, networks and pour into each other. And that there's a difference between mentorship and sponsorship. Hmm. And Black people and Black women in particular, we can get a mentor. But what is difficult for us is to get a sponsor. And a sponsor is really someone who takes personal care in in your success. Hmm. And they really help you get to the next level. And and, to the, and, and it is harder because to, in order to sponsor folks, you also have to have power. So, um, yeah. you know, that is something that I often do is make how do we move um, from just being mentors to sponsors of other women um, to making making sure that our environments are more diverse, that our um, policies and, um, you know, things that our company are really supportive of women from how we treat women when they go out on maternity leave, um, you know, flexibility, being able to, to do certain things to support learning internally and promotion internally. So, you know, when you have women in charge, you're going to have those types of things at the forefront of, of our minds, because those are things that I went through. I'm a mother of two (laughs) and, you know, you know, that, that shouldn't be a handicap Mm. to have children. It should be a handicap to, to get married. It shouldn't be a handicap to want to go back to school and get to the next level. And so, you know, having women in charge and having women who have a seat at the table with power is very, very important. It's something that, you know, is important to me. And it's something that I focus on um, with other women. Yeah, you know, you I don't know about answering your question. When you start talking about women's empowerment, I start. <laughs> no, you absolutely answered my question, and I do. Th- and I, I'm so grateful that you that you honed in on this distinction between mentorship and sponsorship. And I think there are times when people don't when people don't know that there are times when um, their their colleagues, particularly maybe their their counterparts uh, who are in majority culture, are yeah. experiencing the benefits of sponsorship. And yeah. they don't even have the language yeah. <laughs> to, to really explain the difference there. And, and of course, we do what we can do based on kind of our social sp- position and what we have access to. Right. But yeah, right. but even those of us who might be in a position to build a table and to, and to extend those chairs to be thinking about who are the people that I'm mentoring? Who are the people that I'm guiding? Who are the people that I'm sponsoring? Meaning that I'm making an intentional investment in them. Exactly. And there's a return, it's really a financial return to me, but a return on, on my legacy, a return on maybe a particular idea that I have being further expanded um, to influence others. And so I just think that was really, really helpful. And I, I would particularly want our listeners um, to, to be thinking about their list of, you know, who's mentoring them and who could possibly sponsor them as yeah. well. I mean, for me, I feel great. The mark that we always hate to see great employees leave, but the mark of my success, just like the mark of my grandma's success, when she looks down and see, oh, I have a grand, 
child out here. She's a doctor. She's a this. She's yeah. a that. The mark of my success is when people leave here and they go on to do better things. Mm, people absolutely. who I've mentored and I've supported. And I, you know, it's like, don't hate on them. Help them. It's like, that's amazing. I see somebody over here who's a vice president now or a senior vice president now. It's like, that's dope. You know, yes. that that is, you know, taking the table, right, and expanding it. That's it. And you, so I, I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. May, may your tribe increase, Michelle. I mean, my goodness. It can <laughs> increase be so in rare. the tribe. You know, really, it can be so rare um, to find that type of, um, that type of, uh, advocacy, I would say, you know, um, and support from, from people, right? Because oftentimes people operate from this scarcity mentality, but there is enough, you know, for, for right. everyone, you know, um, and we want to see people, let's re- let's rejoice with those who are rejoicing, right? <laughs> and, you know, and celebrate them, celebrate their wins and see their wins as your own too, right? Because you helped and you advocated, maybe you prayed, maybe you, you mentioned their name in a meeting. That matters. Right. Honestly, that matters. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got to places they at, not really because of their skill, because their name was dropped in the meeting. Right, <laughs> right. So it's about our social capital and 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 uh, and our position as well at the table. You know, um, you know, uh, you 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 mentioned so much there, uh, Michelle. Um, but I picked up on the fact that uh, you're a mother, a mother of two, a working mother of two. Uh, can you talk to our sisters at the table for, for those who are also working mothers at the table and those who will be working mothers at the table? What does work-life balance look like for the president, Michelle Rice, president of TV One? What does that look like for you? And what are the, are there challenges to work-life balance and how do you work that out too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, work-life balance. I always say work-life balance. I'm a work in progress. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's something it is. I'm always a work in progress. It's like you have to go back to it, you know, because honestly, you know, I've I've started, you know, I say to myself, I've got to have some white space on my calendar in the day to just get my brain set, reset my brain. And so, you know, that's one little thing. And someone else told me uh, to do that, like literally back to back to back to back to back to back meetings from nine to five and then getting in a car, which, you know, and commuting. I'm just talking about old Michelle because Right now, it's everything's virtual, but still, it's back to back to it's back still. to back to back. I get off the virtual Zoom, then go cook dinner, do this, this. And the only thing you want to do is pass out at the end of the day. And so, you know, you have we have to now schedule time for ourselves, whether it's just that white space on your calendar yes. between, you know, noon and two to regroup, to really sit and be thoughtful and deliberate about what happens next in my day. Mm. What do I need to do? What do I need to we really need to to have that little time to decompress. And, and I struggled to keep that space on my calendar, but my, my assistant is really good about it. at least an hour a day. But I struggle to keep that time on my calendar. Um, but even with that, you know, I think it's really, really um, important for us to focus on our physical health. Um, you know, whether it's somehow just move every day, you need to figure out how to move, even if it's just walking around the block, getting some fresh air, especially right now um, when we've all been just stuck in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, just take a walk around the neighborhood. So many people um, have put on a lot of weight. So, you know, just figure out what can I do in the day to just move and then your mental health. How can I just be present about, you know, understanding what's going on with my body? in my mind and making sure that I am mentally fit for the race. Um, Mm. 
And so all of those things are important and they take time. They're deliberate. We take time for everyone else. Black women have always been people that take care of everyone else. Um, And I'm guilty. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we have to figure out um, what it is. I literally brought my Peloton bike and put it in the living room. It's not feng shui. It's not cute. But guess what? When I go to sit on that couch with, you know, that plate of food, I look over at that Peloton bike. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get on this bike and get my ride. And, and it really, I, it's, it's, it's a struggle. The struggle is real. But at the end of my ride, I feel so accomplished. My, you know, I'm so clear. I have such clarity. Um, so I definitely, you know, want to say whatever. Those are little things, you know, you know, I'm finally going to take a vacation, but it's just, really trying to find a way to be present and, and really honor yourself in the same manner that we take care of other people. Yeah, yeah. That's, so good. That's incredibly helpful. And I was thinking like, yeah, some of us like myself, we do need to put the bike like right in the, in the middle of the living room. <laughs> I don't care if it's not cute. I'm gonna put this bike hey, right here. Okay. Well, but then they say it takes 21 days to create a habit. Yeah. Yes. So after 21 days, once I'm riding it and I'm getting it, getting back, then I can put it back down in the basement. But you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're right though, because you'll go to it. Listen, I'm a fellow Pelotonian too. So when you said you speak in my language, <laughs> I am up at 4:45 in the morning every day. If you need a partner, Michelle, I'm happy wow, to stop. Awesome. <laughs> That's how I got, it's, that is awesome. it's a sacrifice. It really is a sacrifice. I mean, 445, you don't get used to waking up at that time. You just don't. I'm sorry. You can't. Um, but you do it because you have to take care of yourself, right? And so I do that. And so I, you know, I ride every day, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday is when I ride. Right. Uh, but. but also to, to those who, and I've said this even to, um, you know, employees at the company, like many of us have gotten two hours of our time back because, you know, many of us have had hour commutes or 30 minute commutes Mm -hmm. in the morning, then the commute home. What are you doing? And I want anyone who's listening today, Mm -hmm. what are you doing productive with the two hours, Mm -hmm. hour, 30 minutes, whatever it is of your time Mm -hmm. that you're not commuting, that you're not doing these things. If you want to write, you know, write that book, um, Mm -hmm. work out, Mm -hmm. just spend some time in meditation, Mm -hmm. read your Bible, whatever it is, what are you doing to reclaim your time? As Auntie Maxine (laughs) would say, reclaim your time. Yeah, that's good. I think that's, I think that's a great point. Well, well to the Peloton Easters that I'm talking to. (laughs) You know, 2020 and into 2021 have been just such a hard years for many people because of COVID, because of the political climate, just, and just life, just stuff that's just happening in our own individual worlds and relationships. And yet I, I have found a lot of encouragement in this practice, kind of this yeah. evidence-based psychology practice of counting our blessing, blessings and expressing gratitude. And I'm curious, Michelle, what are a couple of things mm. that you are grateful for in this season? Yeah, I don't, uh, my health. I mean, I have a, a, a brother who, you know, was recently diagnosed with cancer wow. and, you know, mm-hmm. our health is just so important. Um, and so I'm grateful my, for uh, my health. I'm grateful for my brother. I'm grateful so for family as well. Um, he is an amazing health advocate and supporter in his wife. And so, you know, you know, praying that he will, he will beat cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm 
you know, our help. Never underrate that. Mm-hmm. Um, our, my family and my friends. I mean, I think that we all were sort of put in to a bubble <laughs> during COVID with people that, um, you know, the people that we loved and sometimes and it was challenging, <laughs> but, you know, I'm grateful for that time to reconnect. We've had time to reconnect with, you know, children. Some people have time to reconnect with their, their parents, their spouses. Um, so I'm grateful for all of that as well. Um, I mean, I'm, I just, I feel, you know, remarkably blessed to, to do what I do every day. I think I have, you know, the best parents. I'm blessed to still have my mother and my father. Um, and so, you know, I'm just, I'm, there's so many blessings, girl. I just really uh, feel abundantly happy for all the blessings that God has bestowed on me. That's wonderful. For sure. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with, with us, Michelle. You know, um, just out of the abundance, you know, just not only your blessings, but just your own, um, your years of experience and skills. I'm wondering um, if you could talk to our sisters at the table and uh, just impart some wisdom to them. Maybe, maybe this is somebody that's maybe entering their career. Maybe this is somebody that's in their career and they're like, I don't know, should I make a shift? Should I pivot? Should I not? Do I stay the course? Um, can you talk to our sisters at the table um, and give them any wisdom that you've learned and gleaned and gained um, on your journey that maybe you would like to pass on to them so that they can run their race? Yeah. I mean, and you said a word that I say all the time mm. and that's pivot, that we as black people and black women, but black women have I can't probably, there's probably no one at the table who's not heard, you know, you have to do better than everyone else. You have to work twice as hard and, you know, failure is not an option. But the reality is we can't get so paralyzed by the fear of failure that we never launch. You know, and some people never get out there and actually launch to what their destination is and they miss it because they're they're paralyzed by fear, fear of failure. But the reality is I want people to leave with it. it failure is an option. And mm. We're going to change the language on failure to call it a pivot. Because in my life, if, I, if you just stick to the one blueprint that you may have had for yourself, which mine was journalism, mm-hmm. I could be miserable, I could be unsuccessful, mm-hmm. just following a path just because that was the blueprint that I thought that was my path. But God can order your steps in a whole different direction. And so the so I call it, you know, a pivot. It's not a failure. It's a pivot. Mm-hmm. So I don't look and say, oh, my God, that's something that I do. That was a failure. It's a pivot. I've mm-hmm. pivoted on to something different. I've rearranged, you know, my goals um, and be very deliberate about what your path is going to be to get to those goals. And if you get to a bump in the road, you may have to pivot again. That's right. And so it is oh, it's okay to go the, to stay the course, but know that there are going to be bumps in the road. Know that you may have to pivot. And pivots are not failures. They're just a different course of direction mm-hmm. to lead you to your, uh, your destination. Mm-hmm. And we are all predestined to be great. And we just need to stay focused, stay the course, and worry about our race. That's why horses, you know, they run with blinders on. Right. Folks, we need to run with blinders on toward the goal um, and not worry about what someone is doing in this lane and what someone is doing in this lane. So, you know, that's what I would leave folks with, that it's okay to pivot. Some things are not failures. They're just readjustments. They're just tweaks. 
um, and you will get to the road. The road may be long and bumpy, but you will get there. Stay mm-hmm. the course. Yeah. Thank you so much. There's enough grace for us in our lane. Thank you so much for that um, important reminder, Michelle. I mean, really, we are honored uh, to have a seat at the table with with you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Um, and yeah, thanks for the invitation. This has been great. Of course. Thank you so much. I, we're honored to hear that. We know you do a lot of interviews. So, <laughs> so <laughs> and of course, we want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table with us. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts. Email us your thoughts. DM us your thoughts um, about Black Woman Rising with Michelle Rice, president of TV One. Uh, and of course, y'all, we have a Black Women's Discipleship Group on Facebook, so we need y'all to come on in and join us. There's over 700 of us in that there group, and it is peaceable. It is encouraging, I promise you. It is not messy. It is not ratchet. Join us, okay? <laughs> Make sure you uh, follow us on True, uh, True, follow True Table on Facebook so that you can join the group, okay? Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, email us your thoughts. And of course, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table also has a Patreon account so you can support us on patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest and quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York and our video editor is Daryl Bradford. We have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.